Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Happy Wednesday, my friends. This is John Grace and my cohort in crime here, Daniel Medina at Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. So glad you could spend some time with us this uh, wild and wacky Wednesday, as they are every wild and wacky Wednesday that we have the chance to spend some time with you. Uh, we've got a great show. I feel like Ed Sullivan. Daniel doesn't know who the heck that is, but some of us remember Ed Sullivan. We've got a really good show. And I think the first time he uttered those words, he brought out the Beatles, right? That was a really good show back in, what, 1964, if I'm not mistaken taken. So uh, we don't have the Beatles, but uh, we really do uh, go out of our way as best we can to bring in the best and the brightest in terms of concepts, in terms of how people can be better prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen, as well as develop better habits, right? We could agree that exactly what our parents told us, you make your habits and your habits make you. And our last uh, show with Dr. Lacey Hunt, he identified some of the occasions that seem a lot different today than we might have thought uh, in terms of where we're going from here. He also uh, talked about uh, some of the habits that we have or in some of the ones that we need to develop. So we will, uh, we've will we got a, a great outline and a great show uh, ready for you. Uh, and we will talk about the market and, and the order of things that we'll be looking at is we picked up a couple of things that we thought were fascinating. Sometimes it's good to look at what other people, particularly people in other countries are doing, because we might think we're different, but as we are fond of saying, we all drink the same water, we breathe the same air, and we fly the same airplane. So in many ways, we're doing the same thing just about the same time. And we found something interesting about what uh, the folks in Hong Kong are not doing, and we think there may be some parallel to the folks in these United States of America. And then we'll be uh, working with my good friend, Dick Geis. You may remember we had a bunch of kids on the show that we talked about how come we were optimistic about the future. And we had eight reasons, I believe, and they were all people telling their story about how wonderful they are and what they're going to do and how clear they are relative to how they will not be denied in their purpose in this world, which most of us don't know what we're here to do. Those folks did. And we had a chance to work together, Dick Geis and I, who happened to be the senior VP at DuPont Pharmaceuticals, along as their, as their chief financial officer. So he has good habits and he's developed some great tools he's going to share about how to get families involved at the younger level relative to how do we make uh, math a word that we can use. I think in this country, math might be the only four-letter word we don't use, and it's one we should use and get acquainted with and use a lot with each other and encourage each other to have better math skills. So we'll be talking about that. And then we really want to hone in on what we touched on last week, and that's uh, a lot of investors are keeping their retirement woes secret. They're not talking to their advisor, which means they're not getting the attention they deserve. And apparently the advisor hasn't been been picked up on that hasn't been picking up on this uh, and is not asking some of these tough questions that should be asked. So as you know, one of the things we do is 
is look at what's going on in the market. And when we look at the market, we're not just looking at what's happening today, because it's really difficult to discern what the trends are. The way we think is we should be looking at year to date, uh, compared to last year, and then maybe a broader period of time. But sometimes if we're just looking at the last close of the day, then we don't see, as I say, the pattern or the trends that are happening. And there's some interesting patterns and trends that are happening right now. But we do see the Dow Jones, as you know, we talk about year to date, which means how is it doing from January 1, 2021 through today? And we're about, what, uh, 54 minutes away from the close. And sometimes we find that the closing is far more interesting than the opening. So you might want to check in at the end of the day as opposed to just at the beginning of the day. But a, a good day so far, a very good year, up 91 points year to date. The Dow Jones is up 13.16%. That's a fascinating and excellent return for a year. And that's what we've gotten with just over, what, uh, seven days or so into the second half of the this year, 2021. That's a great number. And the, uh, the um, S&P 500 has been uh, following suit about 16% so far this year. And that's a very good number again for the year. And, and one of the reasons we mentioned that is because there are some who believe this is about where we may stall out for the year. In other words, don't expect it to double from here. This may be as high as we go. And it would may, it may, from there, we all enjoy the melt up, but we want you prepared for the meltdown because you know it's coming. And then the uh, NASDAQ has uh, really uh, stepped up its game. We're in probably pretty close to record territory for the so far historically with the NASDAQ, up 11 points and year to date up 13.78%. Again, whether you're looking at 13% uh, for the Dow, 16% for the S&P, uh, nearly 14% for the NASDAQ, these are, these are all great numbers. So we will come back to this and, and kind of put this in perspective because what we find, one of the pandemics that I think really summarizes things, that when you become optimistic, you lose sight of reality. You become complacent. You're not prepared for things to turn awry. And what we want you to do is to be prepared for the grits to hit the fan, to let the Titanic do whatever the Titanic does, but it doesn't mean your assets have to go down to the bottom of the sea for it to never see light again, right? So let's look at what's going on with um, folks in Hong Kong, Daniel. Uh, this comes from the South China Morning Post, one of the uh, newspapers we watch, and we find that the pension shortfalls keeps nine out of 10, that would be 90%, right? Middle income Hong Kong residents toiling. In other words, we see that 90% uh, of the folks in Hong Kong uh, have no firm plan to stop working because they fear their pension savings are insufficient, just according to a, a report released on, on Monday. So it looks like this uh, COVID-19 is likely to increase health costs in the future, which is, of course, a further blow to their retirement plan. So, Daniel, what do you see happening here between for these people age 50 to 59? Well, it's not, it's not good. It's, uh, it's a problem. And part of the problem is, like always, lack of planning. Now, based on this article, uh, people in Hong Kong have only had access to the system for the last 20 years. So I don't know if this is, this is something, I don't know what they did before that. My, my assumption is that the state took care of all, the, all of their pension needs. But one of the most fascinating things is that Hong Kong has the highest life expectancy in the world. Mm. at 85. Okay. So if the in the pension system there 
according to the pension system, can produce about 40% of a person's salary when they retire. So if you're producing 40, less than half of what you were living on and you're living longer than everyone else, that's, that's a bad combination. That's not a winning hand. That's and not and a where are hand. we? Yeah, where are we in terms of life expectancy now? I think that was adjusted just, what, three or four uh, months ago by the CDC? Uh, I don't. I, we yeah, I think eight, it's three. Well, no, we're at 78 70, last time. Yeah. Yeah. Down a year from 2019 when we were at 79 down to 78 because of COVID. And now we see that uh, countries like Hong Kong and along with the UK, Canada and Japan are all north of 80. So we're not doing as well. In fact, we have separated the achievements that we that we were enjoying in terms of everybody expects they are living longer. What we find folks is this kind of fascinating situation. The well-to-do, those with resources and those with healthcare are living longer. But there are more people who are poor, more people without health care, more people without resources. And many of us have drug habits and alcohol habits across the board of, of all strata. So life expectancy on the folks in the United States for the poor is going backwards. For the well-to-do, it's going mostly forward. But because there are more poor than there are rich people, the average has been declining. We'll see if this continues. But uh, yeah, when you look at uh, the folks in Hong Kong, what do you see in terms of dollar amounts? What, what can they expect relative to what were they used to in US dollars? Do you have that, Daniel? I do. Uh, this is a monthly number, but they're, they were making around 2300 per month US and they can expect about 40% of that. Oh, wow. That's hard to get by on with if that's all there is. So what they're expecting is just to keep working until when? Well, they have another, there's another little little caveat in there. They have a forced retirement age for most companies and for civil civil servants at between 60 and 65. So I'm not sure how they enforce this, but I assume they just send you out the door when you hit 60 or 65. So wait a minute, let's see if we get this right. So the middle class uh, may need to continue to work and they'll need to accept a lower standard of living, but let's say they're forced to retire at 60, which I think uh, real life insurance brokers suggest. So if you uh, are you know, making a, an amount of money and up to 60, and now you get to live on 40% of that, and your life expectancy is another, on average, 25 years. That sounds painful. Very. And I don't, I don't see a solution to it based on the way it's set up today. So you're, you're essentially setting people up for failure and, and large failure. For the most part, people haven't saved enough. They're retiring earlier than they po- probably want to, and they're living longer than they ever have before. Now they're going to live longer on half the salary that they're used to. Oh, boy. I don't know how you make this work. Yeah. Have a nice day, right? I don't think so. And then we see uh, Hong Kong is one of the fastest aging societies in the world. Hmm. And I believe they're older on average than we are, aren't they, John? Yes, I think so. So in between 2018 and 2038, the number of people aged 65 or above is likely to double from 1.27 million to 2.4 million people, while their share of population will increase from 18% to 32%. That's according to government estimates. And yes, uh, they do enjoy the highest life expectancy in the world at more than 85 years. And that comes from the World Bank from from 2018. But it's got to be one of their biggest concerns are healthcare expenses, no? Yes, 
by by far within COVID looking to increase their their costs, it's only going to get worse. I don't see how you fix this problem if you don't. I guess you have to remove the forced retirement age and let people work longer. Man, so how does this you think play out for those of us in these United States of America? Any parallels? Well, <laughs> only a few. Okay. So it's 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 challenging. Because the, this system, based on what I'm reading, they put a lot of limitations on you. Here in the United States, we're, we don't have as many limitations, but we're not that far off of those standards. We're not, Social Security is not going to produce, for most people, nearly what they were making when they were working. Most people don't have uh, pensions anymore, and we're not saving enough for retirement. So as as dark as it sounds in Hong Kong, we may be setting ourselves up for a far worse picture. Well, and that's the story, folks. That's why we say it's good to look at what other people are doing, because we like to think of ourselves, of our American exceptionalism. I'm not sure what that is, but it's one of those terms we like to pat sounds each other good. on the back with. Sounds great, right? Who doesn't want yeah. that? Huh. But now, how do you identify that? What, where are the qualifications? Where's the bar, all right? Or is it just something that happy talk that we, we say about each other, but we don't look to see, for example, how other people are faring and recognizing that we're following their lead. We are following their example. We're just behind them as far as age is concerned. And and by the way, um, the primary reason from what we can see, thanks to our research team, in terms of how America is uh, maybe the best house in a bad neighborhood on a a number of fronts, happens to be thanks to the immigrants, thanks to baby boomers, and thanks to the immigrants who are actually having children more than traditional Americans uh, at this time. And, and, and by the way, on the other side of that equation, last we looked, it appears as though the birth rates in the United States of America is down by about 300,000 fewer people in the last year than the year before. So we're getting older and we're not uh, duplicating ourselves like we used to. Uh, and in fact, when we look at the globe, It is the case that there are more people for the first time ever, 65 and older globally, than there are five and younger. So when people say it's it's off to the races, it's going to be as good as it was, I'm like, well, we're not importing all those people from some other world, right? Uh, And they're not coming out of uh, the mommies and the daddies like they used to. So um, it's a whole new ballgame. And that's the whole point. Don't get complacent. Look at the details and plan accordingly for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen because you know those cards are baked in the cake. And we're all going to see some surprises. This COVID-19, as we've described it before, is a disaster of epic proportions. It's not done. And uh, it's wrecking havoc in real time right before your very eyes. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with some good news and how the bank of grandpa works, according to grandpa, because grandpa's the bank and grandpa has some great ideas as to how he is singularly impacting his family in a way that people are developing good habits and following good examples to follow for the rest of their lives. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, 
We're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Daniel, uh, let me ask you to describe again, in case people have questions, uh, Bank of Grandpa, how might they post those questions or call in? Uh, you can find us, uh, you can send us a message at contact at ybpoor.com, an email. You can find us at Twitter. Our handle is Money on Course. We are on Facebook as well under Investors Advantage. And our website is www.ybpoor.com, just like it sounds. We try to make it simple. Why be poor? Let's see. Is that a statement or a question? Yes, it is both. So we want to look at that from the standpoint of how we can avoid being poor because we all like being on vacation and spending when we can because we can afford to. And we know we can afford to as opposed we uh, just spend until, you know, you Go to the ATM, Dad. Just get all the money you can out of the wall, right? That's how this works, isn't it? No, that's not how it works. And by the way, let me just uh, do a, a, a blank commercial for my book, Making Finance Make Sense. It's available at Amazon, and it's also available at eBay. Uh, if you would be so kind, uh, feel free to let us know, and we'll send you the Kindle copy at, at no cost to you. We just simply ask that you uh, make favorable comments at Amazon, particularly because uh, you know when you finish the book in 2020, you wake up the next year, 2021, and you look in the mirror and go, "Well, you're not done. You you just got started. Now you need to get the book on the bestsellers list." And apparently, the comments that you uh, leave are the favorable ones, of course, uh, gets us on the bestsellers list. So that I would appreciate your help in securing that goal for this year, 2021. So. We have uh, my good friend, Dick Geis, who's really a smart guy. Uh, it would be fun to have worked with him. He worked at DuPont Pharmaceuticals. He was none other than not only their senior vice president, but their chief financial officer. And he has a little thing that he does for his family that he calls a uh, bank of grandpa. Now, it could be bank of dad, Uncle Fred, mom, Uncle Alice, uh, Aunt Alice. But he, I'm holding this beautiful pin, which says uh, it's green, right? Right color, green. We like green. Bank of grandpa. 
Paul, Richard E. Geis, CEO. So, Dick Geis, please tell us what the heck you are doing with your 14-year-olds to help them develop some good habits that they can rely on for the rest of their lives. Well, this idea, John, came when I started working at DuPont, where they matched part of your salary if you were willing to save it. I thought this looked pretty motiv- This looked like a good way to motivate uh, the employees of DuPont. I thought, why wouldn't this work for my children? So I started calling myself Bank of Dad because I had uh, a boy and a girl, and I thought this would be a great way to teach them the value of thrift and savings and the power of compound interest and at the same time develop some pretty good habits. So it really worked well with my, with my children. And now I can see it working very nicely with my grandchildren. They're anxious to save. They're beginning to understand the value of saving. And I give them a statement every month so that they can see the, the growing compound interest, which I call free money. I developed some principles to kind of Keep in mind how I wanted to do this, and should I t- describe them? That makes Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Now, you put this money, what, in a regular bank account? I just put it in my bank you, account. In your bank account, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but I have some rules, and, and, and first of all, I started about 14, which is, it's an age that kids can start earning money, doing lawns, babysitting, and so on. I match at 14, but I let the kids, because one of my granddaughters said, hey, how come you're not matching me? I said, well, if you're earning money, put it in. I'll give you interest till you're 14. Then I'll start to match. I do this till they're 18. I match 100%. Very high incentive, if you can imagine. Yeah, that's way free money, right? It's way free money. And I stop at 18 because they start getting real jobs and then I couldn't afford to match real jobs. <laughs> <laughs> too expensive for you. Right? Too expensive. Hey, I have my limits, you know. Of course. <laughs> 19 to 22, I match at 15%, which feels more like what some companies do. And then I don't know. They're on their own. I kick them out the door and hope that they can survive. So what kind of contributions do they make, Dick? Well, I can tell you this. My son and my daughter left college with about $20,000 in the bank. Nice. And very little, if in I think in one case, no debt. I paid for some of their college, but they already had developed habits that they could pay for a lot of the expenses themselves. Now, some of the limits on the bank of grandpa, you can't withdraw the matches. Oh, so it's free money if you do the right thing. If you do the right thing, and that means you've got to have clear goals and have your parents approve the withdrawal. So those are conversations you're having with them where they're learning literally in real time. Exactly right. Now, I let them withdraw their own money. It is their money, of course, but they have to do that, again, with the approval of their parents. That let forces them to think, why am I doing this? Why am I saving the money? Do I just want to buy a Game Boy, or do I want to save for college, and so on? So in your experience, Dick, what were there? Did they take out withdrawals? No. Really? Hmm. It was too valuable. Wow. That's impressive. And here's, here's the other reason. I pay 6% interest. Right. Who does that? Where, where do you get that anymore? One, who does that? And second, the math is easy, half a percent a month, right? So I could do the math. <laughs> I, I produce a statement every month. It shows their, their contribution, my contribution, the interest, the compounding, and the total. 
And that gives me a regular way to have a discussion with them. I now do this through their parents so the parents can model my behavior, which, which of course they know how to do. Um, oh, when, when my kids were d doing the bank of grandpa, this was kind of funny. I had a uh, printout of a compound interest curve. And John, you know what that looks like. It goes long, like it's not moving and all of a sudden it takes off. Right. And I'd go over this with them every Christmas. More than finally, the cheers. Finally, they said, Dad, look, we get it. Stop with the compound interest curve. So I put it, I put it away and saved it for their grandchildren. So they're going <laughs> to see it again whether they like it or not. Good for you. So they make contributions like uh, from uh, mowing lawns or washing cars or yeah. washing windows. Uh, and this would be what, 10, 15 bucks that they're putting in the account, something like you know, that? You have no idea. My granddaughter is babysitting. Uh huh. And we're in California. Right. Babysitters somehow believe they should pay the minimum wage. Oh. She babysits, say, four hours a week, do the math. Oh. So she's going gangbusters. Her younger sister, when I first gave her the statement, John, you'll, you'll laugh. She said, Grandpa, I think you've made a mistake because you're not matching me. I don't see anything in a match column. And I said, well, you're not 14. <laughs> she's going to be 14 in February. So, so now all of a sudden she's quit con contributing. Yes. Why? Why? No free money. No free money. So she's <laughs> packing it away and she's going to hand it to me in February. Uh-huh. Now that's uh -huh. somebody, what that tells you is she's thinking about this. She's, yes. she's, she's comprehending the value of thrift, the power of, of compound interest, and and doing it right. So I'm I'm pretty tickled by that thought. Well, sure you are. I mean, you're leaving a, a living legacy, and that's what's so important, folks. When you're at dinner or lunch or whatever, I mean, you're you're at the restaurant with the kids. Have them figure out what the tip should be. Ask them to do it at ten percent, then fifteen percent. Do it together, but you know, practice some of these skills, right? Because you have to use them for the rest of your life. And I see so many situations where people go, "Oh, well, Dick's good at math, so we'll let him figure what I owe for the right. tip." Uh, how do I know, Dick? is not Bernie Madoff, and he's going to do the math where I pay what he owes when I don't have any clue myself. So well, let me say publicly, I'm please. not Bernie Madoff. <laughs> well, he's gone. <laughs> I am a mathematician. Right. I have never gotten a B in a course ever. So that means you only got A's. I love mathematics. I really right. did. And then I thought, what do you do with it? And I stumbled, literally flipped off the back of a truck into finance. I didn't know that it even existed when I was in college. <laughs> so I really liked math. Can I tell you a story about what one thing my daughter did? Sure. So we go through all this stuff. She's learned. She, off she goes out of college. She gets a job at Pfizer as a sales rep. For, they have, a, they have a, a countrywide gathering in Chicago. And one of the sessions is personal finance. The guy gets up and he draws a curve up on the board and says, does anybody know what this is? Lydia puts her hand up. I know what that is. He says, come up. So she gave a lesson in finance to the sales force of Pfizer. And she said, she called me when it was over and said, dad, you wouldn't believe it. All these boys were coming up to me. All these guys were saying, how do you know this stuff? Tell me what you do and so on. It was a fabulous 
side event you never would have imagined would have occurred from just doing the silly little bank of grandpa stuff that I do with my kids. I love it. I love it. I know Daniel's got a question for you, but I, on that note, folks, one of the things that I, when we're doing talks with uh, young people, I suggest that the young ladies uh, go out of their way if they want to get the guy's attention and um, get a Wall Street Journal, the paper, right? Tuck that under their arm. Make sure you've looked at something uh, in that paper. Uh, so when they come to you and go, what are you reading in the Wall Street Journal? You have something to refer to as opposed to this, the farce that we all know that it is, right? You're, you're posing. But the point is, you look a lot more interesting to men when the women are holding financial documents, because actually you may teach them more than they, than they know. And, but you're, you're clearly not just looking pretty, you're looking pretty intelligent and you, you appear to be even more interesting. Daniel, I know you've got a question or two for Dick Geis here. Yeah, first question for you, Dick, how do I open an account and what are the max on deposits for that 6% interest? Well, the account I'm opening is my account. I'm just putting- No, in- I'm, I'm sorry. Where do I open an account to get six? Oh, oh, you want one too. <laughs> you, you, you can open one, but the rules probably would be a little bit different because you're too smart. Do I still get the 6% <laughs> interest? Yeah. It, it's a, I can't uh, get that anywhere else. <laughs> right? It, it, it's a little bit overdone. I don't, I don't deny it. And, and look, the, the rules that I laid out, 100% match to foot, all those are what should be changed to what you can as a, as a dad or granddad or aunt or uncle can do, right? Good point. No, I love, I love this idea. It's almost like you, you've kind of, you, you picked up off the DuPont uh, the way they did it, but you were also picked up on the way 401ks match and the way they credit. I mean, it's, it's really, it's a great system to kind of teach these things because for the most part, people don't learn these things in school. Nobody teaches, teaches I don't anybody. think they do. Yeah, they don't. I think, I think you're right. And, and here, here, here's the proof of the pudding, Daniel. It worked on, on my son and daughter. I'm now seeing it work on my granddaughters. It, what more proof can you have than just I've observed it over 50 years? It, and the habits of my two children as adults are fabulous. Part of it, I won't take all the claim for, for this particular <laughs> event, but part of it was this activity of, of the dynamics of saving money, being responsible, thinking about what, what to do with, have goals and so on. They, they're proof of the pudding. I hope it will work with, I have five grandchildren. I plan to I, do it with all five. I bet you it will. One of, I mean, one of, the, one of the things I'm curious about is it seems like you were much more open than most people about money with their kids. Did this open up more conversations later? Did they talk to you about what they're contributing to their 401k or what they're saving or what they're buying? We, I would say that between my son, daughter, and my wife and me, we have an integrated financial plan now. So the answer to your question is yes. This was something that we could talk about. We, we never talked about salaries per se, mm-hmm. but we talked about all the other things wrapped around benefits, what you should do. It opens questions about insurance, how much insurance should you have, questions about 401ks, IRAs, what's the difference, what's the value, one's kind of good for estate planning, one's kind of good for, for just pure retirement planning and so on. So we talked about those things. I love that because for the most part, we don't talk about those things 
within the family. I was fortunate as, as a kid because my, my dad always was open to me about money and he always talked about what he was saving to his 401k. His limited understanding of those kinds of things, but he, he talked to me about it. And I'm always fascinated when we're talking to, to people with kids and they don't want to have those conversations with their family. They don't want them, their kids to know how much they have today or how much they're making or how much yeah. they're saving or where they're investing. And those are good conversations to have. If you how don't can have they learn? Them, if, if you, you don't, don't have them, them, how are you going to learn? Right. Those, On the job good, training? Those are good conversations, but, but there's always this background, which is you have to know your kids, too. You can buy you, – you can have irresponsible kids and have been a great parent. Right. Right? Yeah. There's no guarantee that if you're a great parent, you're going to get great kids. So I can imagine you have situations where you, you want to be a little bit concerned or suspect about how that conversation should go. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but you, you can limit the conversation, right? But have some conversation. I would agree and, with that. And, and just as you're saying, maybe you're you're you don't quite understand six percent, or that sounds a little high for you. So make it two percent, make it one percent, right. make it three percent. What? Where can you start? You can always make adjustments. You can make up new rules as you go along. But to leave, you know, everybody, it's about learning these days, and not just from social media, right? From each other. That's the interactions that we need, so that people can see exactly what they're doing. And the sooner we get our legs underneath us, right? We can walk, we can run, we can fly one way or the other. But if, if, we're, if we're completely crippled, crippled, where we don't have these conversations and no one's really open to the discussions, then I, I think it's, it's really a travesty and it's uh, self-induced. That's, that's the problem I have. Yeah, and your earlier reference to this, this doesn't seem to show up anywhere in our education system as far as I can tell. No, it's a travesty. We, we just don't have, the, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we're educating people in their 30s and 40s about real basic things. And these, these are things that really should be taught at a young age, because how else are you going to ever learn it? Well, and if you, if you look at the mathematics of, of compounding, the, the earlier you start, the more valuable it is by a lot, right? By a yes. lot. Yes. In so fact, imagine, one of the... Imagine one of the you start... I'm sorry, yeah. Well, I, I, to piggyback on what you're saying, we, we did the math here on one of the shows about suppose you started at birth with something as little as, as, as 50 bucks, uh, but you're contributing for 80 years as opposed to 20 or 30 or 40 years, right? Which people don't even get there. But yeah, that magic of compounding, Daniel, I think the number came out to be something like over $4 million if, it's, if you're really saving for like 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Now that's a, that's a number we can all live with, right? I mean- It's, it's incredible. Yes. And, and, and John, it's so simple. Correct. When I, when I graduated from college, my best friend from, from the little school I went to and I opened a joint investment uh, account. We put $5 a month into that stupid account. Right. We did that for about 35 years. Okay. The number was, uh, you will have no idea how much money that ended up with. And we finally said, okay, we, we've gotten as far as we can get and we split the account. But you know what that really did? Huh. It, it, it kept one of my best friends, one of my best friends. Right. We stayed That's in touch the thing. whole time. We talked about things. We talked about investing. And now, even though we're not jointly invested, we talk every month on the phone. Love it. it, it That's was, a beautiful thing. It's a, yes. side, a side event of, of, a, of a simple financial concept. Think about that. $5 a month. 
Who doesn't have five? Well, some people don't. I can see the point. <laughs> yes, but most but of us do. How about a dollar? Right. There, right. There's ways to do it. So I'm curious, the bank of the bank of dad and the bank of grandpa, this is all interest-based. Did you ever talk to them about, about investing in stocks or bonds or anything else like that, as opposed to just interest-based growth? The answer is yes. And what I've said to them is, you first, you've got to build something to invest. So bank of grandpa is about cash till you get some number that then you begin to think about, well, should I begin to move into the stock market? And so we've had that discussion. And, and both of my children have done that. Good. understand the value of it. They get the concept of when you're 20, you might invest differently than when you're 60 and so on and so forth. Good. Great. I love the idea. It's, it's great. Think of all the dimensions we're talking about now that really, really in many ways started from this simple idea because it gave us a way to talk about this kind of stuff. Yes. And it gets us in a better position than looking at whatever country you like to look at. We were just looking at Hong Kong, right? And these folks might have to get by on 40% of what they used to earn and they have to retire sooner than probably they want to. And many people have a goal of retiring by fill in the blank age, but something happens to them or someone in their family where now you have to be a caretaker. uh, And, you know, all your the odds of your achieving the goal that you set are just, they just evaporate right before your very eyes. So spending more time, uh, starting with small amounts, you kind of get a sense for what you're doing and, and how to proceed and, and make sure that you're looking at not just the short term, but the long term. Dick, guys, I certainly appreciate, Daniel and I do appreciate you coming on uh, this afternoon and really throwing some really good light on the subject so that we can all make better habits and, and see that this is possible as opposed to just throw up our arms and go, it's impossible. I'll, I'll never get anything done here. <laughs> That's a bad attitude. Thanks so much, Dick. We look forward to have you on again. Bring us up to speed in terms of any new developments. Thank you. Take care. All right. Appreciate it, John. Terrific. Folks, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be right back for our final segment. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. And by the way, as you pose questions, you really drive how we design the material that we're covering from week to week. So uh, we're really happy when we have a guest speaker on where we can interview them when we see something that's exceptional. Trust me, we will not bring you the same old, same old. It will not be boring. It will be, it might not be an A, Dick guys, but uh, we'll, we'll do better than a C, okay? <laughs> that was our, it, the gentleman we just had on. He said, never got an A, uh, anything less than an A in math. God bless you. I cannot say that, by the way, but let's just notice you don't need an A. You just need the aptitude to say, I can do this. And one of the things Dick parted with is say, Never accept no. Never look in the mirror and say no. Find a way to get from point A to point B to make some progress. So here's what we're looking at that really commands our attention. And I want to look at some of the ominous signs that we're seeing that suggest that we could be at record highs, which means um, we might turn around and discover what it becomes to look at record lows. We all enjoy the melt up. Very few of us in our experience uh, we've only been doing this since 1979. Uh, our trademark is the proof is in the planning. Daniel has been here since uh, 2006 six with very uh, outstanding math skills. We, we don't see most people prepared for, everybody want, loves to melt up. They're not prepared for the meltdown. And that's where our work uh, really comes to the surface, to help people prepare so that they can decide or discover for the first time, what kind of loss can you live with? Because let's suppose it's more severe than you expected, number one. Number two, let's suppose the return doesn't come back as soon as you might like. Hmm. So rather than leave you on the roller coaster and say, enjoy the ride, and you don't want to be on the roller coaster anymore, we don't do that to investors. What we do is help them see what kind of loss is okay with you. Is it 6%? Is it 60%? Whatever your answers are, and it's a series of questions, so we don't expect you to know the answer immediately, but it's a question for the most part, been in the business since 1979. My industry does not ask you. I think it's, uh, it's not the best practice. We should identify what kind of loss is okay with you, number one. And then number two, look to see how your current portfolio has performed. Let's say first quarter 2020, when market was off 35% from February 19th through March 23rd. Let's look at 2008. Do you want those events to happen again? <laughs> that is the question. 35% a year ago, uh, more than 37%. 
back in 2008. If your portfolio participated in those kinds of losses in the past, guess what? It's probably a good indicator that it's going to do the same thing the next time the grids hit the pan. And we're seeing, as I say, some concerns that uh, suggest that that is exactly what is uh, about to happen. The way Wells Fargo put it, and this is uh, right after um, the 4th of July, they called it a day of reckoning. I mean, does that get your attention? Is coming for the high-flying tech stocks. And of course, that certainly reminds me of what we experienced back in the first part of the decade, 00 to 02, when NASDAQ stocks, in about 30 months, declined about 80%. And, and, and for my peers to say, well, it always comes back, this is true. That assumes you held the stocks that just got crushed and you needed them to come back and you did not take out any money. And in that case, if I'm not mistaken, it took about 15 years for that account to get back to its high watermark. Do you have 15 years? So the real point is, is there uh, the ability to limit your losses so that the hole you have dug or has been dug for you isn't so severe? That way, if you limit the losses, the recovery is a lot less, right? If your account's off hypothetically 2% or 6% and the market's off 30, 35%, well, you know it doesn't take much to get back to the mark that you had before. But if it's uh, more severe, and for example, uh, with the loss of uh, 40%, uh, Matt, uh, Daniel, my math man, will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about 66.6% gain you need to get back even. I just want to ask you, do you like those odds? <laughs> so this is uh, this is Chris Harvey at Wells Fargo Se- Securities talking about his big tech warning that we might be into deja vu. He says that the premium that you're paying with technology stocks is still exceptionally high. We believe that premium has to compress. We think the next 25 basis points down uh, is what's happening as far as the treasury yield uh, is going to be up as opposed to down, all right? So he's uh, warning that a significant reversal, he believes, is virtually unavoidable, citing the fundamental economic backdrop. That would be uh, rising rates will set the stage for a double-digit pullback in momentum growth stocks. He predicts it could happen later this summer or early fall. Now, on that note, my snappy comeback is it's not about the prediction, folks. It's all about the preparation, right? We're in hurricane season now. We've got a flood happening, a tornado happening in, in, in uh, Florida. Are, are you prepared for these events you know are going to happen? If you're prepared for them, you will probably survive to tell your story. If you're not prepared for them, well, we may find that uh, we, we enjoyed your being here, but now we get to talk about how you were because it's not the same anymore. So he points out that the tech companies, the growth companies that are are selling at very high multiples, and even though they have high growth rates, the high multiples are what's going to do them in. Those are direct quotes. And again, this was just as of uh, Monday. Uh, He's sticking with his call that uh, he made back in April that the uh, March rebound in in big tech is what he calls a head fake. And and that's not the the only one. what what another uh, source, this is uh, Market Watch, says, here's what could turn a breather for stocks into a bigger correction. And, and this year, what we've been seeing for the most part is a pretty placid market. And let's just remember that it's the September and the October seasons 
where when people get back to work and the fundamentals aren't in place and there is a lack of breath that's with a D, it's not uncommon for markets to become unglued right before your very eyes. So uh, these are these are experts suggesting that the market's going to take a breather, breather over the short term to digest these half uh, first half gains. And uh, looking at equities, they feel they are overbought and a bit expensive. Uh, what would turn a breather into a full-blown correction? Well, a couple of things. Look to chip stocks at semiconductors. Look at oil. Uh, look at uh, inflation. But you never know what bus is going to hit you when you're crossing the street, in my opinion, in my experience. But it's, um, it's typically the bus you don't see, you, you cannot time, and you did not name. Maybe you and I, if we're trying to jaywalk across the street, get hit by the bus we didn't see because we're so busy talking and looking at our phones. Hopefully, we can peel ourselves up off in the payment, pavement, uh, take a picture of that license plate, and uh, arrest this character, right? But we're the ones crossing the street, and we're the ones not looking both ways. So um, one of the other um, indicators might be Chinese apps that are uh, in trouble, and a, a stalemate for OPEC. That's a real possibility if there isn't any breakthrough in terms of what the OPEC companies, the producers of oil, are going to do to, um, to work together. Because if they stay at odds, that's probably not a good omen as far as the stock market is concerned. Now, let's draw your attention to what we talked about a little bit last week, and it's in several of the articles that I've written recently that will appear uh, later this month. Clients are keeping their retirement woes a secret. In other words, does this sound familiar to you? 70% of investors worry about the rising costs of healthcare. 67% worry about the rising costs of living. 66% are afraid market downturns will affect their savings. I mean, I understand all of these concerns. I bet you do too. And yet, this is a surprising piece of the puzzle. Only one out of three have broached the subject with their advisor. So you're looking at, you know, a, a, an issue with your body and you won't tell the doctor. I mean, you won't go for an x-ray <laughs> and you won't present yourself in such a way where the doctor can say, hey, what's hurting? So I see this as a real problem. The investors aren't saying what's hurting and the advisors aren't asking what's hurting. What are you concerned about? We, are, we leave the money on the roller coaster. We say buy and hold, sit and take it, hold and hope, buy the dips. We don't acknowledge your concerns and then tell you if you're worried about you know 15% inflation, we should spend the time together with you to say whether or not we think that's a possibility. And maybe we can draw some parallels to what was happening the last time we saw strong double digit inflation numbers. Are those conditions in place today? Probably not. But if it's not a conversation you're having, this may be a worry about something that could be addressed. And as we say, one of the uh, direct questions that we think should be posed of investors is about how much loss you can accept. And then witnessing whether or not the portfolio performed within your parameters and comparing to other portfolios for the same time frame with actual numbers where those portfolios might have performed within your loss limits as opposed to the market loss limits, which are have no limit whatsoever. It's a dog with no leash. It's going to do what it does. So the, those numbers come from the Allianz 2021 Retirement Risk Readiness, readiness Study. And, the, and what we also found interesting is that the 
percentages represent significant increases from the survey just one year ago. So Americans more than ever are troubled about risks to their retirement plans, but they are not discussing their concerns with their financial advisors. And it is apparent our fellow professionals, uh, Daniel, uh, are failing to ask the pertinent questions of their clients. So the investors, as well as the professionals, in my opinion, are, uh, are playing darts in the dark. <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna hit anything. You might hit something, but it probably won't be the bullseye. So that's not a way to play darts. Daniel, what's your take on this uh, in terms of what investors are doing and the advisors that literally are asleep at the switch? I think some of the problem is people don't know what questions to ask. They're, they know they're worried about something. They just don't know what that is. It's hard for people to verbalize. So I say, ask everything, just throw it out there. I love when, question, when clients ask us questions, whatever the question is, silly question, not silly question. If it's worrying you, if it's a question, ask us, we've probably gone over it, but you might teach us something or you might encourage us to go find something new, which is, which is always good for everybody. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was the, the professionals don't go, don't ask questions to their clients. And I think, I think you're right. As an industry, we, we tend to focus, we're the professionals, so we tend to focus on investment advice and, and where the growth is. But where we should be starting is asking, how are you doing? And how, how are you feeling? What's, what's your outlook for your, for your retirement? Are you, conf, are you confident in what we're doing? And that should be a big part of the conversation because we, we may have an idea on how you're doing and we may be confident, but we need you to ask the question. We need you to be confident. Yes, that's so important. And real quickly, Daniel, you do an odds of success uh, a way of looking at portfolios. So it's kind of a, a back check looking over our shoulders to see if we're missing anything. Real quickly, how, how does that work? Well, it's, it's actually a Monte Carlo simulation and it's, it's 500 different iterations of market scenarios given, given a set of assumptions and the assumptions are current income, current savings, growth, and future spending. There's a lot more that goes into it, but those are the kind of the basic assumptions that we throw in there. And it goes through 500 different market scenarios and it gives us an odds of how many times those we're successful and success is defined as not running out of money. If we run out of money, we're unsuccessful. If we have money left over, we're successful. And that gives and this us, is through what age? We go through age 100. I'm considering actually going, going higher, going through age 110 maybe or 105. Okay. So we're trying to, you know, uh, promise a lot and deliver even more, but to look at it from the standpoint of long past your expected longevity. And this was uh, an interesting comment by the, uh, the, the one of the sources, Kelly Labigne, Vice President of Consumer Insights at Allianz uh, in, in Barron's, that uh, investors had a lot of time with COVID to sit and imagine about how bad things might get in the near future. And the pandemic made people think a lot more about their savings and possibly put a, a little fear of reality. So we apologize for our peers, but that's why you want to make work with folks that can help you look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll leave it there, folks. Uh, so glad you could join us. John Grace and Daniel Medina and I will be right back here, same time, same station next week. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.